This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by international best-selling male actualization book, The Hallowed Masculine by Adam Harrison. Learn how to alchemize weakness into sovereign power and eliminate the weakest among us so that the strongest can thrive with Adam Harrison's The Hallowed Masculine. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a witchy week on Pod Cemetery with... 1987's The Witches of Eastwick, and 2020's The Craft Legacy, sequel to The Craft, which we've already covered on the show. We want to give a shout-out to Jeffrey for recommending The Witches of Eastwick. He originally recommended that we watch it with a movie called Nightmares, but... From what I can tell, that's a movie from 1983, so it wouldn't have worked anyway. So, Jeffrey, if we're not thinking of the same movie, if you want to clarify which movie you're talking about, just let us know. We'll get it added to the list. And there was another recommendation that we missed just recently. What movie was that? School Spirit. School Spirit, which was recommended by Gerardo Gerardo. I don't know where you're from, so I don't know how you want to pronounce your name, but... Thank you very much for recommending School Spirit. Yes. Going right into our first movie, our classic film, 1987, The Witches of Eastwick. Based on the novel by John Updike and written by Michael Christopher, it is directed by George Miller. Yes, George Happy Feet Miller. I mean, George Mad Max Miller. (laughs) This is actually his first American production. Uh, It stars Jack Nicholson, Cher, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Veronica, oh God, Cartwright. (laughs) Oh God. There was a sequel TV series that uh, that they made a pilot for. I cannot nail down exactly when it was. I think it was 2002, although some places say 1992, (laughs) which wouldn't make any sense because it starred Chris Evans. Yeah. As one of the kids. Uh, it was to follow all the young children. Oh, the we, kids the that kids. we... But the, you mean the... Oh, the boys, the yes. sons. Oh, I yeah. see. There was also a TV series that actually aired in 2009, just called Eastwick. Uh, and there was a West End musical in 2000. No, thank you. That was apparently pretty popular. So no, thank you. I can imagine. <laughs> what is The Witches of Eastwick about? Three women who have latent witch powers call upon the devil without realizing it, and they fall in love with him. Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, synopsis, I would say. It's a little bit distressing to hear some of the stuff going on behind the scenes of this movie, I gotta say. Oh. Uh, First of all, George Miller had a terrible experience. Oh. Basically, he acquiesced to a request that um, the studio made. Like, he asked for something, they said, we can give you this, which was, like, half of what he wanted, and he was like, oh, fine, I guess, and they're like, oh, we can can walk all over you, 
we can say we can make all sorts of changes. And so it was a very miserable experience for him. Mm. But also on the other side of things, to hear Cher talk about it, she was absolutely terrorized by Miller and Nicholson. Why? They did not want her in the movie. Uh, she was forced upon the movie by the studio because you know, Cher's hot stuff, you know. <laughs> Apparently, so she says... She got a call from George Miller just continuing to berate her about how he doesn't like her, he doesn't think she's pretty, he thinks she's ugly, and he does not want her in the movie, and it's like, okay. Her sort of, like, vindication victory moment is like, fuck you if you don't think I'm a good actress, I want an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Cher is a fine actress. I don't think that she's the greatest actress I've ever seen, but I think she's fine. Yeah. I think she's very pretty. It's weird to call her not pretty. Right. And she's an, an absolute amazing singer. So it's just right. like... Even if you don't think she's that attractive, which I do. I think she's got a very pretty I face. I think that is a horrible thing to do. Yes, absolutely. And it really makes me think negatively of George Miller. Yeah. Which is a big bummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I hope he's changed quite a bit since the 80s. But anyway, the movie is available via HBO or DirecTV. If you have a subscription to either of those, you can rent it for $4 or buy it for 13 Should people watch The Witches of Eastwick? Yes. Yeah! Yes. Come on! I really like it, even though <laughs> Jesse. Yes. Really does not like this movie. Why? She says that her and Chris, her Chris, uh -huh. for whatever reason, watched this during the pandemic, and she had not seen it since she was like a kid. She's like, that neither was, did I. She's like, that was terrible. And I was like, <laughs> I love The Witches of Eastwick. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it until I was like in high school. No, I saw it when I was a little kid, and it was on TV, and. I don't know. I, I I couldn't tell you why I enjoyed it at the time, I don't think. Because it is fairly adult. It is fairly ironic. Like, I can't imagine me as a little kid actually understanding any of this. Well, it's goofy and silly. It's like, you know, when I was a kid, I loved Death Becomes Her. I didn't understand there you go. half of what they were saying, no, I, you're but right. I loved it. So did I. So, like, yeah, maybe it is very... It's a very Death Becomes Her. Yeah, I love That's black, a good point. dark comedy. It's great. When things get really weird and, like... I love it. Yes. That, yeah. This was a great time for weird movies. Uh-huh. And when we were watching it, I was pointing out like moments where I was like, okay, this is a moment that's stuck in my head for decades now. And all I feel about it is this. Oh, I feel like at some point at the end, Jack Nicholson just like, I don't know, he he inflates or he gets really big. and But he, I know he's ugly. And like, I could not picture what actually happened. I just remember, no, you see him like outside through a window or something. And he's like gigantic. And I think that's how they defeat him. And I'm like, kind of off but also kind of on and it's just weird unlocking those sorts of moments in your brain <laughs> but yeah i think it's uh it's really good it's also like a testament to despite the fact that veronica cartwright is right it's a testament to just leave people the fuck alone you know let them do what they want well the weird thing about veronica cartwright's character is it almost feels like she's being given this information, almost like 
God is speaking yeah, to her. Yeah, uh-huh. Which is weird. So, like, she is, in fact, righteous, but she's also a fucking villain. And I think that's maybe a point that that the movie could make is that... You may be right, but that doesn't make you a good person. Right. It doesn't make what you're doing the right thing, you know? Because there's a moment when it's like, oh, my God, I actually really feel for her. And she is compassionate. Like, she has that moment when she's like, oh, those poor women. I have to warn them. And it's like... Yeah, Jesus, I can't, I feel bad wanting bad things to happen to her, but also like she's. I don't want bad things to happen exactly. to her. I think that I think that her husband fucking murders her, and I think we should be much more afraid of the husband than of the oh totally uh, than of the wife. <laughs> he totally murders. He murders her. his fucking wife, and nobody cares. Nope. Because everyone's like, no, 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 she was going a little loony. <laughs> It's just, it's nuts. It's weird. It's a weird plot point. And even at the beginning, even before she's done, okay, I understand this is based on a book and I have not read the book. So there might be all kinds of backstory about her and these women and what she's done to terrorize the town before this. Yeah. But at the beginning of the film, we have not seen her do anything. We've seen her kind of be a little high and mighty, but like we haven't seen her do anything that like you would be like, oh, I don't, I you're a bad person. Yeah. And she falls and breaks her leg. And when this happens, her husband, who again, at this point, we have no reason to think he doesn't like her, almost smiles and looks down at her and is like, are you okay, honey? Well, because I think the feeling that they're trying to give off is that she is aggressive and loud and domineering and represses her husband and makes him feel small and... But what I'm saying is yeah. that the husband's scarier than the wife. Yes. No, they're both terrible. <laughs> they're both terrible. He smiles. He's like, you okay, honey? Like, Jesus Christ. And then she like looks up at him. And she's just like, I think I've broken my leg. And like, I like the weirdness of it. Yeah. But it makes the husband creepy as shit to me. Yeah. At least she's what you see is what you get. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good point. Anyway, we think it's really good. There's kind of a lot going on here. Uh, it's not a masterpiece by any stretch, but, no. you know, it's a fun movie. And it's a dark comedy, so be prepared for that. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1987's The Witches of Eastwick. In the quiet town of Eastwick, where nothing ever changes, three beautiful women are about to discover powers they never dreamed they had. Now... The man of their dreams is here. Jane. Last we meet. To stay for a spell. Who are you? Just your average horny little devil. With the witches of Eastwick. We could do things you haven't any idea. <laughs> you know what's going on up in that house? If you were the devil, would you come to Eastwick? Oh, I don't know. Women. A mistake. Or did he do it to us on purpose? <laughs> Jack Nicholson, Cher, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer. The Witches of Eastwick. Hocus Pocus. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does The Witches of Eastwick begin? In the most gorgeous, idyllic town of all time. Did you look up where this was? So it's supposed to take place in Rhode Island, but all of the filming took place in Massachusetts. 
Well, it's a gorgeous town. Wherever it is, you are very lucky to live there, and you probably don't think you are. You probably think it's boring, but it is gorgeous. We first meet Cher. So these are all of our three witches. There's a brunette, a blonde, and a redhead. And it's Cher as the brunette who makes sculptures of large women. Yeah, they're like sort of like fertility sculptures <laughs> I, or I whatever. Su- yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But she's an artist and she has, I think, what, two kids? She at least has a teenage daughter, if not other kids. Yeah. We find out later that her husband died. Yeah. And we have who else? Michelle Pfeiffer, who doesn't look like she's had a single child, but has had six daughters, one after the other, and still has a slamming bod. Oh, yeah. Come on. Must be nice. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, She is divorced because her husband was sick of having kids, which I'm just like, couldn't you have gotten... Well, she talks about how it's a curse. If she has sex, she has a kid. Okay. (laughs) And we meet Susan Sarandon, who is the elementary school band leader. And they try to make it seem like this band sucks. And I'm like... For elementary school, they're doing okay. They're doing pretty fucking good. (laughs) When was the last time you heard an elementary school band? Because I've heard them and they're really, really bad. How many times can you hear Hot Cross Buns without going insane? (laughs) But she's being sexually harassed by her principal. Mm -hmm. Who is saying that unless she, if she wants to get hired full time, then she would need to have sex with him. Now, I don't remember. Is she divorced or is she just never been married? She's divorced because she okay. can't have kids. Oh, right. So That's Michelle right. Pfeiffer's husband left her because she kept having kids. Susan she Sarandon's just, son. You know, swapped. Yeah. But of course not. These guys were dickheads. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. This is... This week is all about hating men. Kind of. This is a little bit man-unfriendly. And I'm fine with it for Witches of Eastwick, but I'm not fine with it for the, for the craft We'll get into legacy. it w- with, with the craft, but let's, let's talk about these women here. So there's Cher, who's playing Alex, or Alexandra. Michelle Pfeiffer, who is playing Suki. Not Suki. They Suki. call her Suki. No, they call her Suki over and over again. Suki. 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 I mean, how would he even know who Suki Ridgemont is? Susan Sarandon is Jane. So we'll be trying. I don't know. We'll probably devolve into using the actress's name still. <laughs> I mean, it's Cher, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Susan Sarandon. I know, right? It'd probably be easier for you to understand what we're talking about if we just refer to the actress's name. Stacked cast. <laughs> it really is. So the principal is giving some sort of speech. I don't know why they're all there. The whole town is there to hear this principal give a speech, and it's everyone like some anniversary of some big town thing, something, yeah, and everyone is bored out of their minds. And all three women apparently wished for a storm at the same time, and only Michelle Pfeiffer thinks that that's weird. And if you think that that's very similar to the craft, yes, it is. It's if the craft definitely took some things. I mean, you uh-huh. know, like. Don't you think it's weird that we were all thinking that at the same time? You know, uh, mm-hmm. what, isn't that isn't that the main chick from the craft? I think so. Yeah. It hit him. The car hit him, and we made it happen. Oh my maybe, god. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, definitely. I thought to myself, it's gonna hit him. I thought it too. Well, I thought it too. But Sarah, did you anything. think it? Yeah. And in this one, it's Michelle Pfeiffer. Don't you think that's kind of strange that we were all so we were all thinking the same thing at the same time, Suki? I mean, so what? I mean, it's not like it's gonna get us on David Letterman. Which is funny. 
because I would have thought that Cher would have been the more in tune one. But because Michelle Pfeiffer is all about birthing, she's supposed to be the most in tune with Earth. Yeah, uh she's the one that's a little bit ditzy and a little bit hippie. Meanwhile, Susan Sarandon is the repressed one. And Cher is the, I guess you could say, like, the more, like, liberal, like, you know, women's lib type. Yes. Yes. She's women's lib, whereas Michelle Pfeiffer is just a hippie. Yeah. Susan Sarandon is repressed. Yeah. 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 Which is funny, because later they're going to unleash Susan Sarandon. Oh, yeah. Uh And she's going to become... And she becomes, like, the sex vixen type. Super, super sexual. And Cher is going to become more comfortable in just being herself. Uh-huh. And so Michelle Pfeiffer... Doesn't really change? She starts to wear the ugliest clothes. And it's really upsetting. Well, she starts to get a little... Her change is that I'm going to wear hideous clothing, I guess. It fucking sucks. She gets a little Diane Keatony. Yeah. And nobody looks good Diane you know. Keatony. Oversized ties and vests and hats and things like that, you know? It's hideous. It's really, really bad, especially when I just told you she's fucking gorgeous with a slam and bod, and they put her in these baggy-ass clothes, and I'm just like, what is happening? Let her live her truth, Kelsey. Jesus. How is it that Michelle Pfeiffer has never played Blondie? She does look a lot like her. Right? Like, I'm looking at this photo, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, she looks like Blondie. Or, I mean, I know Blondie's really more the name of the band, but you know what I mean. How many times have we seen Michelle Pfeiffer on this show? We've seen her in Mother, we've seen her in What Lies Beneath, we've seen her in This. That might be, that might be it. Oh, know. that might be it? That might be it. At yeah. least three times now, yeah. <laughs> have we seen either Cher or Susan? Susan Sarandon, yes, because she was in Hunger. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, Yeah. I don't know that we've ever seen Cher on the show before, but we might have. But yeah, the rest of this cast. I mean, we've even seen, we've even seen, oh, God's husband. Veronica Carr. Oh, Richard Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very common character actor. Oh, he was in King Kong. He was a dickhead. And then he died. He deserved it. We haven't watched The Adams Family, which is where Carol Stryken, Strucken is from. Fidel. Oh, oh, the helper. Yeah. One crazy thing I saw, and I meant to look for her in the film, and I didn't ever see her. Spoilers for clickbait. The real killer from clickbait is in this. As nuts as that is. Oh, she is? Yeah, I was looking through the cast, and as I, you know, whenever there's a picture, you click on it, because you figure that person probably has done something. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, she's in the cast. She's been an actress for a long time. Oh, um... Mrs. Neff, she plays. Becca Lish. Which is good, by the way. Yeah, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Especially halfway through or so, when I was like, this is going to be bad, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it was fine. But okay, so, after the storm happens, they all go back to Cher's house for a drink. They're like playing with cards, and then they make a wish. I don't know, it's weird. They don't really explain what the cards are for. Well, they start talking about who their ideal man would be. And they start talking about, like, you know, how big should his penis be? And they all, like, none of them can agree, really. One likes him small, one likes him really big. This size penis is just right. You know, like that. 
Yeah, um, and it's funny because some of them are like, I want them very handsome, not too handsome. Well, they're like, like correcting. What? It's like, well, dad, don't go, you know, too handsome. That's a little bit too, you know. Handsome. He should be really handsome. Not too handsome. Nice eyes. Nice ass. You're not describing Jack Nicholson in <laughs> any way. Now, don't get me wrong. Jack Nicholson has a sexiness to him. It's a weird sexiness, but he has one. Oh, no. He definitely has a sexiness but to him. But it isn't... nothing what they're describing. Right. It's, it's not like a model sort of sexiness. It's right. Like, it's sort of... It's almost like this smoldering intensity it's sort this, of sexiness. Yeah, it's the sneaky, yeah, charming uh-huh. sexiness that yeah. he has. Like, you could tell, he's probably going to treat me badly, but... I bet before we get to that point, I'm going to have fun in the bedroom, you uh-huh. know? Well, that's kind of what he does with Cher, right? Yeah, like, exactly. That's later on. Everyone in town is talking about this guy. Nobody can remember his name, which is a weird plot point. And then, the, then when they do remember his name, that's when... Oh, God! Cartwright. <laughs> Cartwright. Cartwright, like, drops whatever she's holding... She freaks out. She's just like, where will the snowy egrets nest? Yeah. And they bring it up like once more later. Jack and Nicholson is looking for them. He's like, I can't Mm -hmm. fucking find these birds. Yeah. And then they never bring it up again. I assume that there's more to that in the book. But so she's just like, I have a terrible feeling something evil is happening in our town. And she's right. She is right. But we're getting established right at the very beginning that she is an overreactor. Even though she is right, she is super, super intense that somebody bought a house that was for sale. Well, because again, I I feel like she's being sent visions and shit. Exactly. So while it seems to her husband and everyone else that she is overreacting, no, she's reacting pretty evenly if you keep in mind that the devil is coming. coming. Yes. Yes. It totally reframes that character. When it you just keep that sucks in mind. because in a movie that is all about female empowerment, we have this one female character. Oh, she's hysterical. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. That kind of sucks. That's like the only part of it that really is a bummer. Now, I do appreciate that when he kills her, because he will, the women are like, whoa, we didn't want to yeah. murder anybody. No, 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 this needs to stop. This has gone too far. Yeah. So I uh-huh. appreciate that. But, but, but the things where she directs it, because I feel like she doesn't know that, that the devil has shown up. She just feels really strongly about it. So what she directs it towards is like, oh, my God, they're having sex. Mm-hmm. Women are doing whatever they want to do. Like, that's what she's getting all worked up about. And that frames her as a villain. Even though... The level of reaction is appropriate considering the devil's showing up. Yeah. But it's what she's reacting to specifically that makes her come off as a villain. Yes. Cher first hears about him because he has bought all of her statues. Yes. But she doesn't meet him yet because she's going to an event where Susan Sarandon is going to play classical music. And I'm like, in a small town like yeah, this? Yeah, sure. I think that's probably especially... Seemed odd to me. <laughs> Seemed odd. But... Everybody's apparently bored, which is weird because I'm like, isn't she your friend? Wouldn't you be into it because she's your friend? I don't know about that. I don't know. I would go because she's my friend. <laughs> well, might, he might is, still be bored. He's being super rude. He is l- loudly snoring. 
Yes. And but she did. But Susan Sarandon doesn't seem to notice. Everyone in the audience notices, but not her. And when the song is over, he wakes up and he makes this huge. Bravo, bravissimo, yeah. Bravissa, brava. <coughs> no, very specifically, he does not say bravo. Brava. Brava. Mm-hmm. Brava. Bravis. Brava. And like very much. About a, it's about the woman because mm-hmm. I think she's the only woman in the group, and that's yeah. why he says brava because it sticks out because we all say bravo. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was weird that he would loudly snore, but I guess it didn't matter because she didn't notice. So he made the other two laugh, which is good, and then when she was done, he cheered for her. So, yeah, you know, it is it is 100 percent. He's supposed to be like ostentatious and arrogant and obnoxious. Uh, other vowel sounds. Well, the point is, is that it is 100% an act. He snores loudly to make the two ladies laugh. He cheers loudly to make her notice him. Everything he does is an act to get them to like him. And he is, the devil in this movie is the original nice guy. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he uses just about every single tactic that what are called puas or pickup artists use like everything in his bag of tricks to be just a dickhead male, including when he gets to Susan Sarandon, he's going to start negging her. Yeah. Um, like it's all the asshole pickup artists on YouTube and shit like that could have learned a lot from the devil, the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's all done to seem like he is obsessed with them and in love with them. But the truth is is that he wants to control and own them, just like every other male in their lives. And he wants offspring. Yes, he wants offspring. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which he will get, and they will not be upset about it. This is not a Rosemary's Baby situation. They are perfectly happy to raise the devil's children. <laughs> and in fact, they miss the devil at the end of the film. Well, yeah, they talk about how part of it, like they, they miss the way he made them feel and all of that, but they recognize that it's best that he's not there. Which I think is a fair assessment of that. Like, I think that you could honestly say about a horrible man in your life that he made you feel a way that you enjoyed. Well, of course, you wouldn't have been with him if you hadn't. Exactly. And so it is perfectly reasonable to acknowledge that while at the same time recognizing, however, I'm glad that we're not together. I always think of the line from Trainwreck. He's not the best guy I've ever slept with. You're right, but that guy's in jail. Right, but I was thinking about getting back in contact with him. (laughs) You don't want best sex that you've ever had, guy. No, you want to stay with the best you've ever had, guy. No, you don't. That's a creepy guy. You don't want to be with that guy. Best sex that you've ever had, guy, is in jail. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I've been thinking about maybe reaching out to him. (laughs) Yeah. Women, for whatever reason, seem to be turned on. It's really fucking sad. But I'm a woman, and I know a lot of females. A lot of women get turned down by guys who treat them poorly, and I don't understand it. It's like a line from Alien 3, which I don't think we included when we talked about it. Treat a whore like a queen, and a Uh queen like a whore, and you'll never go wrong. Yeah, but treat them mean. Keep them keen. Right, Frank? Told you before, Murph. Treat a queen like a whore, and a whore like a queen. Can't go wrong, and it does seem to work. It's not a good thing. And women eventually figure it out. Right. And yeah. rise above it and become intelligent and realize that men fucking suck. 
But it takes a while. It's a weird thing that it works. It is... There are complicated reasons for that sort of thing, including relationships with paternal figures and, you know, relationships with the rest of society and how you might be able to either match or contradict those sorts of things in order to manipulate a person's behavior. And it's all psychological shit. And if you're using it to get something that you want out of somebody against their will, it's really fucked. Don't do that, guys. <laughs> so earlier when I said that they couldn't remember his name and then they finally do and she drops the food, that was actually wrong. Uh, she drops the food when she finds out that he bought the house, which is why she's freaked out about the snowy egrets. It's when they finally remember his name that Michelle Pfeiffer's pearls slip, uh -huh. which causes Cartwright to fall and break her leg, uh -huh. which is when her husband does the creepy-ass smile and says, are you okay? I, I think I know what smile you're talking about now, and I feel like that's a saving face, sort of like, <laughs> It's weird. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem concerned at all. It's also a little bit disturbing. <laughs> like the way that the she like just kind of looks yeah. up at him and her, her leg is turned in uh -huh. two places. I think I've broken my leg. Yeah, I think I just broke my leg. But it's kind <laughs> of believable because when you go, when you in have shock. that much pain, yeah, you go into uh -huh. shock. Yeah. But yes, his name is Daryl Van Horn, which I was like, that's kind of a disappointing name. Daryl. Sorry, Daryl's out there, but Daryl is not my favorite not name. the name of the devil. Van Horn is kind of a... Cool name, although he pronounces it weird. Does he? Yeah, like he puts the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Okay. It's, something's weird about it, about the way he says his own name. Like we Didn't say Van notice. Horn, and they he says Van like it's a mick. You know, like it's a... Van Horn? Yeah, something like that. Daryl Van Horn. I forget why Cher first comes to his house, or is it just to spy on him I think whatever? it's just to spy on him or and he, yeah. he ends up coming upon her mm -hmm. and he asks her to stay for lunch he explains that he bought all her sculptures now the weird thing about him and Cher is that he gives each woman exactly what they want uh -huh. which apparently for Cher is a disgusting egotistical asshole well I think the thing is is that he is that no matter what. I understand. And he manages to charm them in spite of that. But he charms the other two before he shows them that side. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I think out of all three of them, Cher is the little bit more gruff and, you know... Well, he says it's because she wants a direct person. Yes. An honest person, yeah. And I kind of love that she turns him down. She's just like, no, you're gross. You smell. Like, I don't think I've ever met somebody so detestable. Yes. And then she turns around and kisses him. And I'm like... Well, because then he gives his little speech about what you really need. world keeps growing. You feed it. Doesn't feed you, does it? Washes through you, down the drain, wasted. Woman as a whole, isn't that what they say? All the futility of the world pouring into her. Hmm? How much can you take, Alex? How much can you take before you snap? Hmm? Lying on your bed, looking at the ceiling, waiting for something to happen, and knowing all the time that you were meant for something better. Feeling it. Wanting it. 
Use me, Alex. Use me. Fill me up. I can take it. Make it happen. No, don't wait. Time is the killer. Make it happen. Do it, Alex. Do it now. At least with the other two, there was a charm factor... And there was no charm factor She here. doesn't need to be charmed. That's not what she's looking for. She's mm. not looking for a charming dude. I suppose you're correct. But, yeah, she's way into it. After she makes this long speech, he ends up saying something, I don't know what it is, and the wind blows. Uh-huh. You could also argue that there might be some element of enchantment going on here, but I don't think it's necessary. Mm-mm. I think, I think he wants them to choose him. him. Yeah, uh-huh. I think the idea is to charm them through just being charming. Yeah, I mean, the whole point of being the devil and, like, you know, taking people's souls and stuff like that is that they have to agree willingly. They, yeah, they have to choose to do it. Which not every movie follows. No. no. Like Wishmasters. Exa- well, especially <laughs> later Wishmasters. <laughs> okay, so back to Cartwright. She is going nuts. And the doctors tell the husband not to worry about it because bone marrow is in her bloodstream and traveled to her brain. Mm -hmm. And until that gets out of her body, she will behave like this? Is this a real thing? I have no idea if that's real or not. It sounds perfectly reasonable. That's terrifying. It changes your behavior because your brain chemistry changes. That's terrifying. You can break a leg and completely change your personality. Well, the whole point is you get, the way they explain it is that that causes the fatty cells in your bone marrow, yeah, travel through your bloodstream up into your brain and deposit there, which causes your brain to function differently. And it specifically goes to the certain part of your brain that controls like aggression and paranoia and so you'll be a little bit more elevated in those areas for a while at least and he's like and the doctor's like she'll be fine just give it some time and so he tries to her husband and it's weird because cartwright will go from like berating her husband to being terrified of what's happening to her She's just like, something evil is crawling inside me, and it's almost here, and she's scared. And her husband does not know what to do, because she just went from screaming at him to being terrified. And he just had a doctor tell him that this is all because of a medical thing. And then in walks fucking Pfeiffer, and it just makes her go nuts, and it's great. Because Michelle Pfeiffer works for the newspaper that he runs, that he's the editor for. There's this conflict between the three of them because Cartwright does not like Michelle Pfeiffer. Also, she's upset that he refuses to write about the evil stuff going on in this home. You sit there in that pathetic excuse of an office, reporting gossip while under your very nose. Evil is doing its worst. You have no spine clock. Not one ounce of morality. First, even common sense. 
nuclear holocaust, murder, rape, apartheid. Why these words, they mean nothing to you. It's just a local newspaper, Felicia. His local turpitude. You are a failure, Clyde. You know you should be strung up along with that son of a bitch who bought that house. And it seems like Richard Jenkins, Cartwright's husband, doesn't have a thing. Like, he likes Michelle Pfeiffer, but he's not, like, into her. There's no hint no. that he would, like, you know, have an affair with her. Or any, like, none of that. He just yeah. likes her as a young woman that works for him mm-hmm. and is talented. And I really appreciated that. But he is a weak, weak man. Who kills his wife. And who does not protect his employee Because he backs down against his wife, who has nothing to do with the job that he's in. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... He's a terrible person. (laughs) Yeah, he sucks. Men suck in this movie. It's all about how much men suck. Well, you could argue that it's Veronica Cartwright who's kind of cowed him. That the way that he behaves that way because he's been, like constantly controlled and belittled his entire relationship with her and so he feels powerless and so he acts like he has no power well anyway the way that nicholson charms or gets susan sarandon into bed by negging her (laughs) well but before he does that he shows up at her house and he wants to play an instrument with her And he gives this long speech about how the only reason most doctors are men these days is because they pushed women out of the service by having midwives burned at the stake for being witches. Yeah. uh Because, again, men can't stand the idea of women being in charge of something. Yeah. And it's a very – it's a great speech – And he ends it by saying, men are such cocksuckers, aren't they? Do you know the entire witchcraft scare? I mean, isn't Christ as far back as the 14th century was started by the medical profession? They were trying to get midwives out of the childbirthing business. That's what they were. Most of the women that they burned, midwives. Just another example of male-dominated professional society exploiting females for their own selfish purposes. Men are such cocksuckers, aren't they? And it's this beautiful speech, again, told in the idea of, like, women deserve equality, women deserve, in fact, more than equality, you know, like, stuff like that. And then you realize this was all just to get her into bed. Yep. Men are such cocksuckers, aren't they, by the way, is such a good line if it wasn't, like, hateful. (laughs) <laughs> like, no joke, I'm going back to my, my message thread with a bunch of my buddies, and I wrote down, is there a replacement for cocksucker yet? It's such a great sounding and feeling insult. Like, it just feels good to say when you're just really angry about somebody and something, except for the fact that it comes at the expense of the kind and hardworking people that suck cocks. Like, <laughs> so, like it's a bummer that it needs to be so... Like, shitty to women and gay men and, like, you know. Is there a better word? Is there a word with so many good ka-ka-ka sounds? Cock-sucker. Like, come on, it's such a great word and it feels good to say, but it's really fucking derogatory (laughs) to people that don't deserve to be put down in that direction. So, like, we need a good word that 
has the same impact, but not the same meaning. I think douchebag is pretty good because men created douchebags and fuck douchebags for what they stand for and why they were created. So fuck douchebags. How about that? <laughs> Douchebag is not as... Uh, You're a piece of shit for making striking. it. Striking. You're a piece of shit for thinking it needs to exist. We need a new... I don't think that's good enough. It's not as harsh. Anyway. I just felt like I had to address that. It's a great line and it's a great word, but unfortunately, like it kind of propagates an awful stereotype that cocksucker equals bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, but so, yeah, he tells her that her she plays beautifully. She's very, very talented, but unfortunately her bowing sucks because she's yep. so strung up about being perfect, which is very similar to what happens in Black Swan. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, you want to be perfect so badly, that's why you aren't perfect. And, you know, yeah. he uses that to get her... Well, and, I guess he yeah. doesn't get her into bed. No, but she is very, like, passionately attracted to him now. Mm-hmm. It's that it works on some women in particular, not every woman. And it also depends on, you know, your skill in doing this. But that's, this is what negging is. It's poking the parts of them that they're insecure about to the point where they would react in such a way as to try to gain your approval. But I do enjoy when they finally do have sex, her cello catches on fire. Yep, uh-huh. I thought that was fun. Yep. Okay, here's the thing. Apparently, she's actually playing that. The cello? Yes. That's nuts. Good for her. But so, now he slept with both Cher and Susan Sarandon, who are both just obsessed with him and telling, well... Cher's telling Sookie all about him, but when they show up to the house, they find Susan Sarandon there, uh-huh. and Susan Sarandon and Cher kind of realize what's happening, and they get upset. Especially then, when he turns his attention to Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, so then when he comes out, he completely ignores those two and goes straight for Michelle Pfeiffer. And again, is it upsetting that they don't pick up on what he's doing? Yes, but they don't seem to care. I mean, they go and they play tennis, which turns into this silly... The tennis scene is really important, actually. It's very important because... It's very silly. It, it represents a shift in attitudes. So the way they first start playing, they're very angry at each other. Because yes. they're jealous of each other mm-hmm. because of his affections. Mm-hmm. And he's like, now ladies, you know, one of those sorts of things. But when magical things start happening because all three of them are together and their emotions are really heightened, they're very, very angry at each other, and weird magical shit starts happening with the tennis ball. And you're right, it is very silly, but what that does is it sort of, number one, helps them to recognize what they can do together, and number two, like, deflates all the tension in their relationship because they start to, like, have fun. And this is a little bit silly. And they realize, you know, this isn't actually a bad thing. We're having fun. We're being very powerful. And the the four of us together, I think, is what they're thinking. You know, this is something special. When really, it's kind of the devil horning in on what he's is found, special about the three of them together. He's found three witches he yes, can control, exactly. which is exciting to him. Yeah. But yeah, so... They end up causing it to rain, and they all go into the pool, and the weird thing is, in the first shot, you can see all three of them. 
And then it zooms in on. I mean, That's all what four I was thinking. Yeah. And uh-huh. then when it zooms in on Michelle Pfeiffer and Jack Nicholson, all of a sudden Susan like and Sarandon gone, and Cher yeah. are just gone. Yeah. Uh huh. That was weird. It was really weird. I was like, wait a minute, where are they? Are they not there right now? But this is when Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer are going to have sex. Yeah. At this point, she's not an idiot. She's just like, well, obviously you're going to seduce me as well. It's obviously uh-huh. your plan. Uh, but you should fucking know I'm going to get pregnant. And he talks about, you know what? That's the most beautiful thing. Like, women can do things that men will never be able to do. And that's how he gets her to uh, to have sex with him. And then he ends up playing with her children, which is a really cute scene. Yes. Uh-huh. Only ruined by the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer is wearing a hideous outfit. I think it's fun. Oh, I think it's disgusting. <laughs> I think it's so hideous. <laughs> But they're all, like, playing with balloons and stuff. And he's showing, I don't hate children. I'm not just here for sex. Like, Uh we can develop a home here. Yes. I want all of you to live here with me. I want this to be a happy place. But the thing is that we know, no, truly, he wants their powers. Yeah. And for them to have his kids. Yes. The last thing we see before we move on to Cartwright is Jack Nicholson is filming with three women. Yes. And they start talking about their greatest fears. Susan Sarandon is afraid of time. Yeah. And aging. Which the is time funny because she was in. The hunger. The hunger. Yeah, uh-huh. It's a short life. And. I mean sometimes I look in the mirror and I see everything. Disintegrating faster and faster. Then we have. Cher. Cher who's, who's afraid, afraid of, of snakes. snakes which yes. if you're thinking the craft. Yes. Uh-huh. So am I. I always see snakes. I do hundreds of them and they're crawling all over me and I disappear and and then I'm just not there anymore. And then we have Michelle Pfeiffer who is afraid of pain. I don't mind that it's a short life or growing old or disappearing. It doesn't bother me, but it's the pain that scares me. I don't know why there has to be so much pain. And Yeah. Well... We don't deal the deck down here. We just uh, play the percentages. And then we get an immediate cut to Cartwright. Harsh! (laughs) She's really upset with Richard Jenkins because he does not have the gumption, the wherewithal, to call out evil when he sees it. You have the newspaper. You run it. You could print something about this. Drugs. Anal intercourse. <laughs> you know what's going on in that house? There is vice. Shh. There's perversions. Shamelessness. All right. Oh, Cavorting <laughs> with that devil. She's fine. She's okay. She's. Uh, <laughs> no. Drugs. Drugs are this. Murder. Rape. Oh. Incest. Spanish flies. Which, by the way, she says that after she says incest, <laughs> implying that anal intercourse is, intercourse is, is worse, worse than incest. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, like she does this in the middle of church. And she just she just loses her mind. <laughs> and it's really funny and it's well done. And she runs out of the church and her husband, this is when she's just like, you employ one of them. And then she says, I have nothing against a good fuck. I have nothing against a good fuck. There is danger here. Somebody has to do something about it. 
which I'm like, I think you do. Yes. It but sounds trying, like you do. She's trying to seem magnanimous and that, no, it's not just that I'm a prude. It's that this is really evil. There's you know, that's danger what she's trying to here. Say. Yes, there is danger here. And the fucking thing is, she is right. Yes. Yes. It's the devil. And he kills people if he doesn't like them. Uh-huh. So, yes, he is dangerous. She is correct about that. Now, I don't know if we're supposed to get that, well, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong, you should stay out of other people's business, but it's like, if they had known what he wanted in the first place, would they have gone with him? Uh-huh. If she had warned them, would they have gone with him? Uh-huh. So I don't know what they're trying to say with her. It is an interestingly complex tableau of points of view and implication. <laughs> but so the whole town turns on them, like... Well, because he ends up writing about it in the newspaper. Yes, he writes this article which gets Susan Sarandon to be, like, treated terribly by the whole town. And Michelle Pfeiffer is like, what the fuck did you do this for? And he's like, I'm sorry. My wife is sick. Uh-huh. I'm trying to keep things together. Uh-huh. And that is when they're all starting to feel like maybe we shouldn't be hanging out together. And that is when Jack Nicholson gets them to eat cherries and they yes, spit out have the another pits, cherry, which causes Cartwright to vomit up cherry pits. Yes. This is also when, as she's violently vomiting up all these cherry pits, she realizes what's happening. And she says, I know who he is, Clyde. Have another cherry. Please, what have you been eating? Oh, those poor women, I have to warn them. But before she can do anything, because she's vomiting everywhere and losing her mind and seeming insane... Richard Jenkins, like, hits her over the head with a fire poker or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's just raving. Uh-huh. And he's like, I gotta, I had to stop her screaming. Basically. And knocks her out, killing her. Yeah. And so when they realize that Veronica Cartwright is dead, even though she was their own personal villain, they're like, this is not okay. We this has gone too her. far. Yeah. And so what do we do? And so they shut him out, especially well, they, because, like, the ground rumbles beneath them. Right, and, they start to get into a fight, and uh-huh. when they're fighting, the earth starts to shake because uh-huh. of their powers being angry at each other. Yeah. And that is when they come to him, and they're just like, no, we can't see you anymore, and they completely shut him out, which makes him very, very upset, and he ends up doing to them the thing that they said they were most afraid of, which is funny because if he had just waited, if he had just given them the time that they asked for, Susan Sarandon was so excited that she was pregnant, because remember, she couldn't have kids. She was going to go back to him. She goes to his house and is walking the hallway towards him. Almost there. While he is watching that video he took of them earlier talking about their greatest fears, and he's mumbling to himself. And as she's approaching him... She starts aging. 
and freaks out and runs away and he hears something and turns around and she's not there and he's like blah, blah, blah. and that takes his attention away from her and she goes back to her normal age and she realizes oh shit because now Cher's talking about the snakes so she books it out of there heads towards Cher's place she wakes up with all these snakes in her bed runs out freaking out into Susan Sarandon's arms and she's just like it's okay everything's okay just calm down and then they both think Suki we gotta get to Michelle Pfeiffer but it's a little bit too late yeah because what he does to her has lasting effects yes because she said she was afraid of pain well the only way to cause pain is to break things inside of her Uh and then she's got internal bleeding yeah so like he doesn't mind if she dies I guess the other two Apparently just got not. these scary images, and then she's, yeah. like, actually literally dying. Yep. But, yeah, he is the original nice guy. I did, Everything I did, I did for you. Yep. Everything I do, I do it for Both you. you. Yeah, that's what he says. Everything I did, I did for you. And they're just like, get fucked. Make her get better. And they do. And I mean, he, he does because they end up seducing him. They end up coming back to him and having sex with him. Yeah, so, yeah, they all go back to him so she can be fine again. And then he leaves to buy them bagels and locks and ice cream. And so him and Fidel, Lurch from the Adams Family movies, go shopping out on the town. And then they are going to use this time to brew up a spell. To create a voodoo doll. Yep. And they end up hurting him a lot. And he's just like, girls, yeah. what are you doing? And they end up making him throw up the cherry pits in front of a bunch of people. In he- a church as he talks about how, like, was woman a mistake? Or did God put woman on earth intentionally just to fuck with us? Yeah. Can <laughs> I ask you something? You're all church going folk. I really want to ask you something. Do you think God knew what he was doing when he created woman? Huh? No shit. I really want to know. Or do you think it was just another one of his minor mistakes like tidal waves, earthquakes, floods? You think women are like that? What's the matter? You don't think God makes mistakes? Of course he does. We all make mistakes. (laughs) Of course, when we make mistakes, they call it evil. When God makes mistakes, they call it nature. (laughs) So what do you think? Women, a mistake? Or did he do it to us on purpose? Because I really want to know. Because if it's a mistake, maybe we could do something about it. Find a cure. Invent a vaccine. Build up our immune systems. <laughs> Get a little exercise. <laughs> you know, 20 push-ups a day, and you never have to be afflicted with women ever again. <laughs> I love when they don't even mean to. They're, like, throwing him around, and they don't even mean to, and he gets thrown in his yeah. car and stuff. It's really funny. That part was really well done. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jack Nicholson getting angry and freaking Holy out is shit. great. He went all out in this movie, and there is a speech he gives here that's, like, 
all one shot. It never cuts away. And pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, Jack Nicholson is an incredible actor, and I really loved him being in this. It's like, like I... It's like having Bruce Willis in Death Becomes Her. It's so yes, uh-huh. <laughs> not what they would do, and yet yeah. so great that they did it. Right, because his character is, like, humiliated. Yes, 100%. And is a terrible person. And, yeah, it's interesting. He turns into his monstrous self. Well, when he comes back, when he finally gets home to them. But he changes himself back right before he sees them. Uh-huh. But he almost kills them. But Jane ends up laughing to fly because they discovered earlier if they laugh, they oh, yeah. fly. Oh, yeah, she falls off this balcony and then, you know, oh, you got to laugh in order to fly. It's kind of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Or Mary Poppins. So Mary Poppins originally, I love to laugh. <laughs> Loud and long and clear. Yes, there's that first moment when they realize that laughter makes them fly. But then here, it's the idea of she needs to laugh before she hits the ground to save her from from splatting on the ground. There's a similar moment in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when Arthur is falling and forgets to fall and stops falling right before he hits the ground. So, like, it felt like that to me. It's one of those moments where, you know, they just need to snap out of the fall before they land. But he becomes, like Chris said, he becomes huge. Uh Uh-huh. This weird sort of, like, stop motion. Like a a giant. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. But they end up lighting him on fire, and he turns into this weird creature. I don't even know what that's that's supposed to be. This is that large creature that he becomes. No, but, like, he becomes, like, when they Oh, yeah, when he, like, blows up. He turns into this weird flying thing. It's like this head, this, like, baby's head. On a baby's body. body. It's weird. Really fucking weird, and then it just blinks out of existence. Yeah, and then it just disappears. And then a year and a half later, they've all got their boys now, and they're living in his giant mansion. And they're talking about the fact that they miss him. But he, but they understand how it's good that he's not there anymore. Well, he shows up on the TV and he's talking to his sons. Uh-huh. And they just turn the TV off on him. Uh-huh. Ladies. <laughs> oh, ladies, come on. Yeah, and that's the end of The Witches of Eastwick. Which is such a weird fucking movie. I was a weird kid. I was totally into this movie. I liked, I liked this movie. Yeah. But it is a weird ending. It's like, are we supposed to just assume that now, like, the princes of darkness are just walking around on the earth? Well, okay. So I think what we're supposed to assume is that they'll be fine because they have their mothers. That the bad influence isn't necessarily in the blood. It's nurture, not nature. You can change your behavior and use your powers for different things. Having the powers doesn't make you evil. So I imagine that's probably what the TV show is going to be about. So, Kelsey, what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to guess that it's probably, I'm going to say like a 77. That is crazy close to the real answer. Yeah. Which is 76. Oh, that's cool. A wickedly funny tale of three witches and their duel with the devil, fueled by some delicious fantasy and arch comedic performances. A Metacritic of 67... Cinema score of B+. And do you think that makes the movie overrated or underrated? At 76? 
Yes. Maybe just slightly underrated. What would you give it? I am going to give it an 80. Flat 80. <sighs> Ooh, man, you introduce an interesting conundrum. Is it 80 material? I think so. I think it's a lot of fun. It's very funny. It's got a weird ending. It's I, different. I'm not crazy about the ending, but I really like it. <laughs> it's different. I like it. <laughs> it's different. I like it. It's just different. Fuck. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll say 80 as well. I think I was going to go high 70s. I thought that the 76 was pretty accurate. But no, like, this does hold a little bit of a special place in my heart. And I think that my score needs to reflect that a little bit. Just a little. So I think 80 does, in fact, sound like a good score. All right. Well, congratulations, The Witches of Eastwick, on just barely getting a B. (laughs) Moving on to our modern film, 2020's The Craft Legacy. Written and directed by Zoe Lister-Jones, based on the characters created by Peter Filardi from the original. Starring Kaylee Spaney, Zoe Luna, Gideon Adlin, Lovey Simone, David Duchovny, and Michelle Monaghan. Which, by the way, is like the hardest name out of all of those. <laughs> is it Monaghan or Monaghan? Uh, I don't know. So, sorry. What is the craft legacy about? Four girls were interested in witchcraft created coven in high school yeah the core premise is a little bit of the same it's it's the same it's what they do with that core premise that's different yeah and surprisingly a lot of what they do is actually pretty decent yeah i gotta say if you remember from what i was talking about last episode so well first it's available with subscriptions to stars direct tv and spectrum on demand you cannot rent it but you can buy it from anywhere from eight dollars to thirteen dollars Kelsey, should people watch The Craft Legacy? Unfortunately, I'm going to end up saying no, because the last half hour is garbage. I would agree. I would agree. That said, I was very surprised by how much I didn't hate this movie. There was a lot of it that I legitimately enjoyed. I thought I was going to fucking hate it. Me too. 100%. I thought I was going to loathe it. I was very, very surprised by how much I actually really, really enjoyed and how kind of disappointing it was. Huge disappointment. That the the climax is so fucking stupid. It's so dull and bad. And David Duchovny did not want to be in this movie. And why (laughs) did they put him in it? Uh, It's just so. I mean, the trailer has a spooky rendition of girls just want to have fun. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Here we go. No, it's not. Like, they do some really great things. As good as the original craft was, and as much as I liked it, it fixes some things that probably wouldn't stand in the modern day. Like, it's very difficult, I think, to make a modern day feminist movie about a coven of witches and have the core conflict being the women undermining each other. Which Which it is. Why Witches of Eastwick is so great. Well, because there's part of that conflict, but, you know, but really. But for the most part, it's about them banding together. Yes. Which is why the craft is a bummer in that they all fall apart. Right. In this one, though, it's not like, like, they do, whenever they hurt each other, it's because they're doing what they think is best for the other people. And it's all coming from a positive place. But ultimately, it is about them sticking together. Mm-hmm. And it's about people doing the right thing and the... 
villain, of course, is toxic masculinity, the cult. Which is fine. It's I fine. Mean- you could it's a say that the devil is toxic masculinity, and I'm fine with that. It's a little uninspired, and there are problems that I have with it, but there's a lot that I was very surprised by how much I enjoyed. And it pains me to say that you do not have to watch this movie. Yeah. I think. Because I was really enjoying it for a large portion of it. Mm-hmm. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2020's The Craft Legacy. What is all this? This is a ceremony to celebrate you. Why would you celebrate me? Because you're out fourth. Just in time for first period. This is all just a little crazy. Half the battle of having powers is believing you do. That's why covens have always been important. We can do that. What else can we do? We need to put a spell on Timmy. We don't want to hurt him, though, right? She's right. The number one rule of the craft. If a person is a danger to herself or others, they will be bound. I was starting to get a little worried. Sorry, I was just hanging out with my friends. We've gone too far. Was this just like some game to you? No. I feel different. Be careful. A lot of weirdos out here. We are the weirdos, mister. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does the craft legacy begin? Begins by being PG-13, which just, (laughs) why? Why do you want to be PG-13 when the original was R? It is very PG-13. Extremely. And it hurts it. Yeah. It it can't be. Like none of these kids are believable, Mm -hmm. I think, as a result. Yes. It's all very ready for TV, ready to be shown on television. Yeah, totally. So we meet three ladies, three girls. Tabby, played by Lovey Simone. Frankie, played by Gideon Adlin. And I don't know if we ever heard her full name out loud, whether or not it was Lords or Lourdes, because, you know, depending on who you talk to, they might pronounce their name differently. Uh, Played by Zoe Luna. They call her Lou throughout. Interestingly, she is a trans actress and her character is trans too. And it's like not a plot point at all, which I kind of appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. When we found out she was trans, it was like, oh, really? Yeah, she said she can't relate to the heavy flow or whatever. Like, oh, okay, so she just has a light flow. You know, like, <laughs> it yeah, wasn't until they, later that they totally actually called it out. Yeah, later they talk occurred. about how impressive it is that women can birth children just like they do in Witch- Witches of Eastwick. And uh-huh. she says, not all women can. Uh-huh. Like, you're right. Yeah, that was that was a, a cool choice. Yes. So these are the, our three witches who are trying to be a coven without a fourth. Yeah, so there's three of them, but they are incomplete. Because if you remember from the original film, there need to be four. Yeah. All the corners, north, east, south, and west. So Lou is... Spirits of the North, Earth and Body, and Dirt. 
Frankie is spirits of the East, air, new beginnings, and breath. And Tabby is spirits of the South, fire, will, and heat. And I will say, other than Tabby, who by the end of the movie starts doing some firebending stuff, uh, they don't really do anything with their corners. Like, they don't attach their personalities to which cardinal direction they are. Not really. Like, I wouldn't call Tabby the fiery one. Well, she is the one who calls the main girl out. Lily. Yeah. No, I'd say the fiery one is Frankie. But she's new beginnings and breath and air. I wouldn't call her she, the refreshing one. Doesn't she bend air? Doesn't she, like, she, no, they she all blows do. like a, a wind? They all become... Earthbender, airbender, firebender, and waterbender by the end of this movie. But. Well, because in this movie, it's about them actually coming together as opposed to, like we said in the original, mm -hmm. it being about them not working well. But there together. needed to be four of them in the original, and they could, like, they all had their different specialties, they all had different power levels, but. You know, it wasn't like, oh, if you want to control fire, I guess that's just me because I, what, picked the spirits of the South? So now I get the firepower. It's a little lame, if you ask me. Yeah. I was bummed that they didn't do more with the fact, if they were going to make a big deal out of how there were all four directions and each of these women have a very specific direction associated with them, I expected them to do more with it. And they didn't do anything with it, really. I thought it was funny when they were doing the aura colors. You were like, oh, I better write down these colors to find out what their yes. auras mean. And I was just like, no. Because guess what? <laughs> the auras, yes. It's oh my god! The corners god. that they are. So that's so. What are auras then? <laughs> what does she see on people who aren't one of these witches? <laughs> like that's it begs that question. It's just so. Uh, Tabby's orange because she's fire. Frankie was like white because she's the air. Yep. And uh, Lords was green because she was earth. Mm -hmm. Like that's just boring. <laughs> It's boring. I just, I love that you were like, oh, I better write it down. It didn't occur to me because I thought they might do something interesting with it. <laughs> and they did fucking nothing with it. <laughs> like, at least in, we were just playing Life is Strange, True Colors, which is the newest one that's out. And the main character is an empath and she feels certain emotions. And the different emotions are color coded. Fear is purple. Sadness is blue, anger is red, joy is like this gold color. It meant something when somebody <laughs> had a particular color aura. And this doesn't mean jack shit. Correct. What what use is being able to see auras if it's just going to tell you a thing you already know? <laughs> anyway. Then we meet our main girl. Lily, played by Kaylee Spaney. No idea if I'm pronouncing that name right. And her mother... Uh, Michelle Monaghan. Yes. Have we seen her before on this show? The thing is, is she has this whole, like, Rebecca Ferguson feel to her. <laughs> so I can see why you might conflate them. <laughs> I mostly remember her from Eagle Eye. <laughs> Eagle Eye? Are you sure you're not thinking of Source Code? Oh, is it Source Code? No, The it's one with Eagle Jake Eye. Gyllenhaal. Eagle Eye is the one with... Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Is she in both? Yeah. Uh, she is in... The Mission Impossible movies. She's like his love interest slash wife right. yes. throughout. Yes. She was in True Detective. Source oh, right. Code, She's the Eye. wife yeah. uh -huh. from True Detective. So no, we haven't seen her in the show. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. 
Yeah, you're right. This is her first time being on the show. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like she's always been in my life. I don't know. They are moving to be with this guy that she's marrying. David Duchovny. Yeah, which they, they don't give you any indication of how they met. What? It's just been a long time since anyone's made me feel this way. I guess. That's all we get. But so they're singing to Alanis Morissette together. Yeah, one hand in my pocket. And then they start crying because this is sad and scary and new. But also, she's happy for her mom. Yeah. And we get to meet David Duchovny, who is almost 60 at this point. And kind of showing it. And he does not have any interest in this film. He is so low energy. He does not. He thinks this movie is so stupid and he is here just for a paycheck. I assume so. Which is a little bit of a bummer because I think he could do some cool shit here. But like, yeah, no, I'm not impressed with his performance here, which is a big bummer. Yeah, and we're not like David Duchovny haters. We were huge fans of... X-Files, yeah. yeah. So, that's not it. <laughs> he just, he looks bored throughout this entire yes, film. Yes, he does. And what he does is... Wait, wait, do we ever find out what his what her mom does? I have no idea what her mom does. But he is like a motivational speaker, goes around redefining or attempting to redefine masculinity for men. Made some real breakthroughs in some of my groups. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like what? There's a lot of pain for these men living just under the surface, especially now. There's going to be this very shrouded cloud over that. You don't get to hear a lot about it, and there's a reason for that. Uh-huh. And if you're thinking throughout the film... The fact that they're not giving us any information makes you suspicious of it and makes oh, yeah. you think that it is a dangerous thing. You were absolutely right. They're yes. doing that all on purpose. I <laughs> felt like when they were first describing kind of what he did, because they don't really explain. Nobody's like, hey, David, what do you do? You know, he's just talking about, oh, when I was on, you know, my, my most recent trip and I was talking to such and such. So we just get this feeling. It doesn't sound like he's a... Tom Cruise and Magnolia type. But that you know? is what he is. No, but I I feel like from the outside, he's supposed to look like, let's redefine what makes men men, not make them masculine, macho assholes, but being a man and being masculine should be about strength and responsibility and, you know, believing in yourself. It's supposed to be motivational, ostensibly. But really, what we're going to find out is that he's a warlock, and he has the masculine power, like these witches have the feminine power, and that's why he's interested in masculinity. And I feel like there could have been something really interesting there. Like, why is it that the warlock has to be a bad guy? Like, oh, you know he's a bad guy because he's a warlock. Wasn't the first Craft movie and this one all about how, like... You don't have to be evil if you're a witch. Being a witch could be good, but we don't get to like give men that same benefit of the doubt, which is a little weird. The only good men in this entire movie are the ones that basically become witches. Or the ones that are affected by witches. Well, that's what I'm saying. Under yeah. their uh -huh. spell. But uh, yeah, and you're right. 
this movie is full on, just like kind of Witches of Eastwick is. It's full on men suck, men are evil. I do appreciate in the craft that while they do say that, you also see that chicks suck too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's not just one sided. It tells you that there's bad people on both sides. Yeah. And yes, in this film, it does feel like. Now, here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I love what they do with the dickhead friend. Oh, I 100% agree. There's a lot. Like, don't don't assume that this is me writing off the movie because, oh, you're not being fair to men. No, trust me. Men can take it. We kind of deserve it. I get all that. But, like, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. You're trying to make a point, and you're also undermining that point at the same time. It's- they might have felt like they were making that point with the brothers, but in my opinion... Oh, they go nowhere. They go, yeah, they They're go completely dropped. Mm-hmm. Which is a kind of a bummer. Yeah. Like, they're used as props, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. And we don't ever get to know what they feel about their dad. Right. There's we'd, one that's like, yeah, he's strict, but it's because he loves us. Right. And but then we, we don't just know, never see that kid ever again. We don't know if they know <laughs> what he is or what he can do. Right. Like, nope. none, none of that is indicated. Nothing. I feel like I really like this movie and I really like the plot. I just, it, they need to try again. That's my main takeaway. Is it's, It just needs to try again. It's just lame. Rewrite the script. Lame Make it more dull. interesting. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's boring. But I, I, I like what it was going for. I like the points it was trying to make. I don't know if this actor-director, Zoe Lister-Jones, if she should have been, like, somebody should have told her no. <laughs> Anyway, and let's it should talk have been a man. <laughs> let's talk about the movie. Yeah, Dave Duchovny is a kind of a weird father. He has a very like he has an opinion about how boys should be raised and what his house should be like, and it's not the same as the dynamic that Lily has with her mom. I think is the important thing at the beginning of the movie. So she goes to school. And there's this bully who is best friends with one of her brothers, because there's three of them. There's three brothers. There's one that's her age, there's one that's older, and there's one that's younger. Yes. And the one that's her age is best friends with the class bully, I guess. Which is weird, because he's like this quiet one who likes to read. Yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. And also, you're going to find out that the one that's a dickhead is a dickhead because he's secretly bi and doesn't want to tell anybody. Yeah, and hooked up with the older brother, who is very macho. So, like, But that story will- It goes fucking go nowhere! Nowhere. I mean, I guess that's why David Duchovny kills him. Well, he kills the bi kid. Yes. He says because he was weak. Weak, which I guess is because he's bi. I guess. And- It's completely- Unimportant. But the older brother, like, what's going on with him? How does he reconcile his his internal feelings with the external requirements of his father? Like, the movie does not grapple with that at all. Nope. This movie is so focused on women that it presents some really intriguing concepts for the men and just refuses to look into them, interrogate them at all. Yeah, because we needed... A 20-minute scene at the end where they all stand around David Duchovny and shove their powers at him. (laughs) 
time could have been better spent. Yes. I like it's I really like what they did in some ways, and then I'm really disappointed that they just have so many missed opportunities in other ways. Timmy is a dick to Lily because she is on her period. Yep. And he embarrasses her in front of everyone, and the teacher handles it terribly, which I guess is because he's a male teacher. Uh Uh-huh. You know? And then she runs off to the bathroom, and the four, the other three girls run after her. And Chris was like, why would they be allowed to do that? And I was like, if I, I mean, I don't know if I would have let three girls go, but he's also a guy teacher. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. But if a girl was treated like that, first of all, I would have kicked that kid out of my class. Uh, absolutely, yeah. But I also would have let a friend go with her. Sure, 100%. But so they go after her and they're just instantly friends. Yes. And that's, I get that they're looking for their fourth, but it is just an immediate, we're all best friends and everything's great. Oh, and there's one other young woman in this entire school that these ladies interact with and she's just a total bitch. I think she's a stand-in for the blonde from the original. Yeah, but like she's just supposed to be just this total bitch and there's nobody around her there's nobody it's these these sorts of like cliche archetypes and there's no depth to them and the fact that you're either a witch who's in tune with her femininity or you're a villain those are the only type of women in the entire fucking movie well there's the mom who's also a little kind of she doesn't have any powers. She also disappears for part of the movie. Yeah, she just fucking disappears. Because <laughs> at one point, David DeCoveney is going to pretend to be her. And then we just don't see the actual her anymore. Until the very end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Right? She's she's in at the... Oh, yeah. Because she takes her to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, like, okay, what? Are we going to talk about that? <laughs> nope. Let's not. Anyway, so she joins this group of four... She demonstrates that she has a power somehow. Oh. Timmy. They read they read each other's minds. No, it's before that. It's Timmy. She pushes him back. Remember? Oh, yeah, in the hallway. Which is what gets them into detention. And so and then they, they, talk, they to talk to her. And they're like, ah, you could hear us. You are our fourth. You are the West. You are the water. It's really important. I wrote all this stuff down and none of it's relevant. None of it matters. What they represent does not matter. So they go out to the woods and they start, they talk a lot about what they can do with their powers. And it's really weird because it's almost like Boy Scout ranks, you know, like, oh, when you get to rank one, you can do these powers or like RPG levels. Yes. Oh, I'm a level four wizard. So now I can cast Mortenkainen's, you know, whatever, like. That's what it feels like. Oh, at level four, we can do shape-shifting. Sorry, this is all just a little new to me. I mean, it's new to us, too. We've never thrown a grown-ass man. <laughs> so wild! Like, we all thought it at the same time. Like, what? Tell me you didn't think about throwing his ass off of you. Yeah, I, I did. Well, so did we. And then, bam! <laughs> now it's just stage one, moving stuff with our minds. And stage two? That's what went down in detention. Oh, that was so sick. And you said we couldn't do it. Stage three, we'll get to soon enough. Let's surprise her, though. Stage four, shape-shifting. Shape-shifting. You know, the power to take on a different form. (laughs) And if we get to stage four, I'm low-key turning myself into Kristen Stewart. Don't judge. She's a Twilight stan. (laughs) 
point is, we've never made it past stage one. Never. Like, yes. Come on, really? Well, because they're trying. <laughs> they're talking about the things that they did in the original. Yeah. Right. But they, it was never like about achieving. Like you get experience points and then you cash those absolutely. experience points in. For absolutely, they definitely turned it into a video game here, but. I think that's what they were trying to talk about are the things that they did in the original film. Yeah. They're also letting you know that shape-shifting is a thing. So that when David Duchovny does it, it doesn't surprise you? Yeah, I guess. Because they don't do it. Mm-hmm. But we also kind of get the impression that Lily is more powerful than, than these other three. Well, when they first get together, the first thing they do is they stop time, which seems like a pretty huge thing it's to do. It's a huge deal. Shouldn't that be like level six or seven? <laughs> but that's when they discover that they have these abilities. She gets in trouble for assaulting Timmy. Right, which is what spurs all of this. Right, but then David Duchovny is really mean to her. Yep. I get back from a week away doing groups and Jacob tells me you assaulted Timmy Andrews. No, I, 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 um, I was defending myself. He said Timmy didn't lay a hand on you. Well, he whispered something in my ear, no, and I was. He whispered okay. something, so you hit him. Well, if you just let me finish. When I am speaking, please don't interrupt me. Uh, okay. Thank you. Mom, please, I, I, Adam, let's just take a step back here for mm. a second. All right, she was defending herself. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the circumstances were complicated, but uh, you know, with my boys. I, I have to have a zero-tolerance policy when it comes to violence. That's the way it's always been in this house. So, more than anything, I'm disappointed, Lily. In you. Really disappointed in you. Later on, he's going to apologize, being like, listen, I get it. I'm sorry. Lily, I, I want to apologize um, for being so tough on you. You know, it wasn't always so easy for me raising three boys on my own. I had to set very strict rules and keep them in line. I, I, I know that's not how you and your mom operate, so I, um, I, I wanted to say that I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. How are you going to be a villain, though? Like, how are you? Like, I'm still dead set that he's going to be the villain. And of course, I'm right. But we also find out that, like, what, she sees some stuff in his study or whatever, that gives the impression that he sees her necklace and she sees something. So you're checking out the old family crest, huh? It's actually pretty cool. These go back centuries. You know, um, snakes are usually considered scary or dangerous, but actually in, uh, in pagan culture, they were symbols of, of rebirth. But they decide they're going to do something about Timmy. Yeah, so they go to his house and they decide to awaken him to his highest self. And yeah. it's so much better than what they do in the original, yep. which is just get the guy to become obsessed with her. Mm -hmm. In this one, they, no, let's not put a hex on him. Let's make him a better person. And he ends up being this awesome woman. Yeah, he's guy. really fucking cool. They take a used condom that he just has in his room and they put it in his bong to mix some sort of concoction that they need because they needed a part of him. And that's the most part of him. So now this spell that they're going to use to just awaken his better self is going to be even stronger because they use his own semen instead of like his hair or something like that. And it's really gross, 
But they're doing it, like, in his room, and they have no idea where anybody is. Right, and when he comes home, they have to all She freezes away. time. Lily freezes time on her own. Oh, right. And then jumps out. Yeah. You might be asking, what are the ethics of changing somebody's personality? This movie kind of tries to have its cake and eat it, too, on this one, where they put forth the idea that, no, this is the real Timmy. He's just so afraid of like being himself that we're just taking away that anxiety so he can be himself. But also they do bring it up once. Cause I'm like, man, they better fucking talk about this. What are the ethics of changing somebody's brain? They say, Oh, well, I guess it wasn't really right that we cast that spell on him in the first place. Like once. But like, are we any better though? I mean, like what we did to Timmy. That wasn't consensual either. One throwaway line. When they decide that she's gone too far. Yes. Uh huh. They have an entire scene in like health class or whatever about how important consent is, which is a great message that every kid needs to hear. But they're obviously talking about uh, consent for sex and how men need to make sure that they get consent from the women. Like that's obviously the point, and it is very very important. But then these women fuck with the brain chemistry of this guy without his permission, and they just wave it away. Like, what the fuck? Agreed. What the fuck? It's not, they don't totally exonerate by saying, you know, no, this is the real Timmy. We didn't change who he is. We just changed how he expressed himself. Yeah, but still, without his consent, he was doing what he wanted to do that he felt was best. And then you fucking changed that on him. But anyway. But it's for the best. Yeah. But they also, when they're talking about how woke Timmy is now, because he's, like, telling guys to shut up when they're harassing girls at school and stuff like that. They mention both a seventh and eighth period. Yeah. Now, I'm fine with the seventh period, but the eighth period? I've never heard of that before. No. Yeah, seventh is, like, you know, it's the period after school. If you have a band and you don't have zero period band, or if you have football or whatever, you know, you might have seventh period. But eighth period? Also, Timmy, played by Nicholas Galitzine, I prefer, uh, um, is apparently the prince in the new Cinderella dress magnate movie. Oh. You hear about that? Mm, I think so. The new Cinderella movie with Camilla Cabello. I've heard of it, yeah, but I've not seen it. Where her whole thing is she just wants to own a dress company, a dress yes. shop. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm- the big thing that she wants. You know, they make it not about a man, but he's the prince. <laughs> Who is? Timmy. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see it. I heard it's not good, but I don't know. He also, like, learns all this new stuff. <laughs> I, I wrote down, he gets this personality change, but when did he have time to learn all this new stuff? This is when I come back to this note and say, oh, we, we see later that this is the real him. Yes. He actually did know all this stuff ahead of time. He just wasn't sharing that with anybody. Yes. Because remember, they brought him to his highest self. Yes. Uh huh. They did not turn him into a different person. But there's one fucking <laughs> throwaway line about whether or not it's ethical to do that, and they just do not interrogate it at all. We get a montage of them, like... Laughing, hugging, doing light as a feather, stiff as a board, using a Ouija board. Mm. But during this montage, there's this weird bath scene. 
Oh, yeah, where they, like, give Lily this sparkly bath, and there's no ex- explanation as to what it is or why they're doing it and why it's just Lily that's getting it. It was very strange. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of the scene from Four Rooms with the witches in the bath, but I was like, that seems highly inappropriate for a teenage film. <laughs> Do you know who Princess Nokia is? No, but they were very excited that he was playing her at yes, a party. Yes, Timmy played Princess Nokia, and they're like, oh my god. Sugar honey iced tea. Shit. Sugar honey iced tea. These bitches don't like me. These bitches won't fight me. And do shit just to spite me. I see them talking on the IG. Think you're jealous, maybe hard key. I got the juice, I got the high C. Do I care? Unlikely. I think we're... Too old to know. Like, this is, I think, a very much an internet celebrity sort of thing for young kids. But it's like a name, it was a name droppy moment that just felt like, I don't know. You know how in uh, in TV shows in the late 90s, how every everyone was going to a Pearl Jam concert? You know, like in Stepmom, I think, there's a, there's a Pearl Jam concert. In Sabrina the Teenage Witch, they go to see Pearl Jam or... The violent femmes, you know, like there's just like the just the name dropping. Oh, you kids like Pearl Jam, right? <laughs> like it felt like that. But I had never heard of this no. person. But be, they just picked a name that kids like because probably on TikTok or something. And I don't know. Is she a real person? Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, okay. But they end up like taking Timmy on and he becomes like a fifth, basically. And he's really, really enjoying himself. And at one point he does talk about how he hooked up with the older brother and he starts crying and they support him. It's kind of a lovely scene. Which is why it's kind of fucked up when immediately after that she puts a love spell on him. The love spell. Okay, well, first of all, we Timmy talks to her about how he would talk to his dead mom with a Ouija board. And that's going to become important later. But yes, I thought it was. she was just like, masturbating like yeah, it was a masturbation all I ritual thought was happening she's like oh let's light a candle get in the get under the covers and then just start flicking the bean <laughs> but apparently it was a love spell because she does say i draw you closer to me this night and she had his sweatshirt yeah it just felt like that was a just yeah part of the i masturbation thought, yeah thing. i didn't it didn't feel like a love spell but it's so fucked up when you find out it's a love spell yeah i was very i was shocked when she said that she cast a love spell i was like what what the fuck did you do? Yeah. The movie doesn't even talk about it. She doesn't hem and haw over well, whether no, but, she should do it. Right. Like, but there's that's nothing. Why, that's why the other girls turn on her. They're like, what the hell? But I was upset that they turned on her for that because earlier that day, they broke the brother's video game because he didn't want to play with them. Yeah. And I'm like, he was so- minding his own business playing a game and they're doing their own thing. And she comes in and goes like, I'm playing now or whatever. And he's like, fuck off. I'm playing a game. Like, what do you do? Like, I don't even know you. Yeah. They all like break his game after that. It's yeah. like none of them. So you're fine with acting like a five-year-old in that case, yes. but not when she does it. Yeah. It's, Ah, yes. So what we thought was a masturbation ritual was actually a love spell. He comes back and then they kiss and ooh, ah, she's so happy. Yeah. And you don't even know in the moment that 
he's only there because she did that. Like, right. I, thought, I was like, oh, this is really cute. Yeah, I was excited. I was like, oh, he legitimately likes her, but no. Nope. Apparently she cast a fucking spell and the movie didn't feel like really letting the audience in on it. Yeah. But this conflict now seems really contrived because they are like, you've crossed a line. You're the ones who changed his personality in the first place. How is that any different? Yeah, and they, they come to that realization, and that's Later why they, they decide to bind each other. So unlike in the Well, other, first they bind her, and then they decide, well, we're just as guilty, and then they bind each other. Yes. Right, so unlike in the first film where it's just against Nancy. Yeah. And, you know, they take that as an offense. In this one, it's, hey, we should all bind ourselves, because clearly we're not ready for our powers yet. I, I also wrote down that apparently the big thing... Okay, so the reason this is a big thing is because Timmy dies. And everyone thinks he committed suicide. And they're like, what the fuck? And Lily's like, oh, I cast a love spell on him. And then Tabby is like... He was already under the influence of a spell. This is so jacked up. I'm sorry, okay? Okay? Was all of this just like some game to you? What? What? Since fucking when? You never said that. This has never been a thing. Why, like, why did you not, like, at least bring it up at some point? But apparently they feel like, well, you can't put a person under more than one spell. And that's why his brain went kablooey and he killed himself. But we know later on that that's not the case. So is the fact that a person shouldn't be under more than one spell even a fucking thing? No. But they get so goddamn mad at her for it that they kick her out of the coven. I think they're just upset that the kid is dead and they, they feel responsible. The movie doesn't communicate that in any way. What the movie communicates is that Lily broke some rule that she had never fucking heard of. And now it's the great sin that can never be forgiven. But... She's not responsible anyway because fucking David Duchovny's the one who killed him. <laughs> yes, David Duchovny killed him, which is why, which is what the girls will find out from the Ouija board later, which is why they will show up to save Lily in the end because David Duchovny is going to transform himself into her mother figure and is going to be like, your difference is your, because she used to, say, her mom used to say, your difference is your power, your difference is your weakness. Is what so, he would say. And she says... My mom would never say that. Because he wants her to give him her powers freely. Yes. But she's too smart for that. It, it should be revealed here that Lily does find out that she's adopted. I thought that that was pretty interesting that David Duchovny was helping her get organized. And it's because she's organized and everything's put away into folders and drawers and things like that, that Lily's able to find her adoption records and find out that she's adopted. But there's also the added layer that David Duchovny was probably trying to find out who her mom really was. Mm -hmm. And like things that it's just there's two moments. One of her saying he's trying to get me organized and one of Lily finding her adoption records. And that does all the storytelling for you. Yes. Um, and. That was that was interesting, and I thought it was okay that the movie didn't, like, stress that. It was fun little implied storytelling there. But, yes, she is adopted, and he uses that against her. She also sees him. There, there's, like, all the men in town are having some sort of weird cult ritual while she's home. Yeah, they're just doing it out in the open. Yeah, and... But, I mean, they aren't... I guess you could say that they're technically not doing anything, but they're acting very strangely. They're acting very strangely, talking about how Timmy was weak, and you're not weak. You know, his best friend, her stepbrother now, or whatever, soon-to-be stepbrother, uh, is, like, upset and crying 
And he's like, no, don't be sad. He was weak. You're not weak. You're not weak. He was weak. You know, it's like, it's a weird fucking thing to just do out in the open. Yes, it was when, very strange. When your stepdaughter's still in the house. Yeah. And the mom is where? Who fucking knows? Yeah, she just disappears. <sighs> well, I think David Duchovny implies that he's tied her up at one point. Yeah, he does. Because, you know, we just need to give a throwaway line to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. Oh, where's my mother? Uh, she's tied up at the moment. <laughs> But so they're going to have this really dumb standoff, and it's so lame. Kelsey, Kelsey. It's so boring and You weak. missed the most important error the movie makes. Okay. How do they know that something's wrong with Lily? That Timmy was killed? I told you, the Ouija board. Ah. And how does the Ouija board tell them? Oh, how the Ouija board works. This really bothered Chris. I get it. <laughs> but they were trying, they wanted to do it fast. No, it's it's not even good enough because I was watching and I'm like, what the fuck is it spelling out? This is nonsense gibberish. And they're like, oh, my God. And they're not like saying what he's saying out loud. You have to be able to read what the Ouija board is trying to spell out. And they use the planchette to point to letters instead of revealing the important letter in the eye of the planchette, Mm -hmm. which is how you're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. What the fuck do they think the point of that little window is? Again, I think they were just trying to be fast. But even still, like, from the angle that it's at, the point covers up letters, too. Yeah. So you're, like, seeing two letters at the same time, and if you know anything about a Ouija board, it's gibberish. Yep. You have to not know anything about a Ouija board to maybe have a 50-50 chance of knowing what it's trying to say to you. Yes. Which... But it ends up saying, he killed me. Yes. So, yeah, there's this fucking standoff where... Since he wasn't able to trick Lily into giving him her powers, he's going to fucking take them from her. But then the girls are like, no, she's one of us. And then they just throw like throw the colored beams out of their hands at him. Whenever this happens, it's so it's not good. You know, when Marvel does it, it sucks. When it's done here, it sucks. There is a great line here, though, I will say. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. You have to kill me first. So the easy way. Oh, I loved it. I'm sure it's been used somewhere else, but it was great. It was fantastic. Great. It was a very surprising and fun line. I laughed out loud. But Literally. I lulled. <laughs> unsurprisingly, they defeat him. Yeah, he burns up and he just disappears. What happens to the, his three sons? Who knows? Who the fuck knows? How do they explain that he just fucking disappeared? Who knows? Who knows? Where do they find the mom? Who knows? I think I think the mom knew the whole time. I think the mom knew Nancy. Oh yeah, surprise spoilers, it's Nancy. Yeah, if you were thinking it, if you were thinking it has to be the good one. The good one. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's, it's Ruza Balk who's been locked up in a, in a mental asylum this entire time. She doesn't make any fucking sense. How did she get pregnant? Yeah, was she raped by a guard? This is a problem. Because this is 20 years later, and Lily's not 20. Yeah. She would have been in the Institute at the time that she got pregnant. Yeah. There's no explanation about that. She also 
in the trailer, we get the, it's like they're trying to recreate that moment where somebody says to the girls, oh, there's a bunch of weirdos out there. And Lily, who's obviously supposed to look more like Feruza Balk out of the four, drops down her sunglasses and goes, we are the weirdos, mister. You know, like just what they say to the bus driver in the original. Mm-hmm. Careful. A lot of weirdos out here. We are the weirdos, mister. That's in the trailer. Mm-hmm. They change it. Mm-hmm. Tabby says it in the standoff. You girls ought to be careful in the woods at night. A lot of weirdos out here. We are the weirdos, mister. Yep. What? I don't know. It's bad. It's it's dumb. It's bad. It's like bad. everything that you I wrote, liked oh about God, it. Oh God, this is embarrassing. Yeah. Everything that you liked about it just melts away at the last half hour. It's so bad. The movie is also certainly not scary. Not in any way. And the fact that Nancy's in it at the end is so, like, she's there for a second and it's over. Yeah. Okay. Cut to credits or whatever. And it's like, okay, I guess we would have had to have seen the original movie to even know. Who Feruza Balk even is. Are they setting something up? Because Michelle Monaghan takes her to see her mom finally is the big deal. And, yeah, introduces her to Nancy or whatever. And then cut to black. I... If it wasn't for just the totally botched ending, I would have just been kind of disappointed in the movie. Mm-hmm. That it didn't take advantage of opportunities that it had. Mm-hmm. More than anything, I'm disappointed. Watching the movie, I was like, holy shit, I am not hating this. I thought I was going to absolutely loathe this movie, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Instead, I was just kind of disappointed because I was excited for the potential while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't realize fucking any of it Mm -hmm. which is a weird sort of emotional roller coaster to go on Mm -hmm. so what do you think the movie has on rotten tomatoes i know yes you do what is it it's 47 47 although director zoe lister jones has forged a new path for the weirdos of today the craft legacy's spells may only enchant fans of the original metacritic of 54 now the original had a rotten tomatoes of 55 Good God. You gave it an 84. I gave it a 76. What would you give this one? First of all, is 47 overrated or underrated? Slightly overrated. Slightly overrated. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a 44. You know, I think... Shit. I can't just give it another 50. I did the same thing for School Spirit. I'll give it a 45. It's below 50. You should, like we said, you shouldn't see the movie. Nope. Yeah, and I think the fact that it is so disappointing really, really lets lower, you down. Yeah, it lets, it's a letdown. Mm-hmm. Because there's potential. There's a lot of potential. Crumbles. I didn't think there was. And then the movie showed that me there that there be. was. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't capitalize on it. Nope. Which is really fucking frustrating and disappointing. So, yeah, I think 45 is pretty good. I think your 44 is pretty close to accurate there. So this is like the closest we've gotten to what a Rotten Tomato score is in a long time, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that is The Craft Legacy, our modern film, wrapping up our witchy woman week. What are we watching next week, Kelsey? It's another witch week. What? Yes, another witch week. We are watching Black Sunday. Okay, I've heard of this, but I know nothing about it. 
along with Fear Street Part 3. We're wrapping up Fear Street, folks. Both are about witches who are killed back in the 1600s, I believe. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's about a witch's curse because of that. Well, how about that? Yeah. Shit. And I think it's even about the witch coming back and taking over people. Well, we'll see, I suppose. That's Black Sunday and Fear Street Part 3, 1666. Mm -hmm. Get it? Because 666. That's right. It's only half the movie, folks. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Anyway, that is next week. We will wrap up the Fear Street trilogy and uh, give you a double dose of witchy women. Until then, you can find us at our website, podcemetery.com, and follow us on Twitter, at podcemetery. Subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice, and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there, but even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that is just listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey... Any last words? Now it's you who's gonna burn. She flies. I was going to go for she's got the moon in her eyes. (laughs) And itcha, 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 itcha. Here's the thing, Kelsey. I would. I think if it wasn't like an offensive term, a great way to end this episode would be men are such cocksuckers, aren't they? But. That's the problem. It's a pretty fucking shitty term. Like, we can't leave it just out there unaddressed, you know what I mean, at the end of the episode. So, sorry, I kind of... I started by going, oh, do you want to end the episode with men are such cocksuckers, aren't they? That would have been a great ending, because, you know, the men are kind of shitty in this in the, both of these movies. Um... But then, yeah, that's the problem, is that cocksuckers equals shitty. Yeah. Anyway. Spoilers for clickbait. Oh, yeah, you should put that before. Spoilers for clickbait.
We don't. Do we even find out what happened to Lily's dad? Never met him. Well, because remember, she's oh, not her mom. Right. That's a very good point. Jesus Christ. <laughs> never mind. Cut that out. We'll never know who her dad is. Yes, I know. We're cutting that out. Because I'm so. pretty sure she wasn't having sex inside the loony bin. Right. Witchy woman. See how high she, she flies. flies. International best-selling male actualization book, The Hollowed Masculine, by Adam Harrison. Learn how to alchemize weakness into sovereign power and eliminate the weakest among us so that the strongest can thrive with Adam Harrison's The Hollowed Masculine. Should probably say hallowed, right? Whores. Drugs. Anal intercourse. (laughs) 